Hello and welcome to Savage Yoga Snacks, the podcast for freaks, geeks, outcasts of yoga, and our allies. I'm your host, Steph Savage, and today I'm talking about why I hate child's pose. Child's pose. You've heard of it, I'm sure. Balasana, or child's pose in English, is labeled a beginner's pose, often performed to rest between more difficult poses. The position stretches the thighs, the hips, the ankles, relaxes the body and the mind. There are many benefits, including soothing the mind and body, helping us feel safe when vulnerable and cold. But what happens when child's pose becomes painful? When the search for rest becomes a painful reality? Full disclosure, I don't like child's pose. I don't practice child's pose. I avoid it at all costs. However, I do teach child's pose. I teach it in my yin classes, and I teach it as part of vinyasa, and occasionally in a hatha class. I'll explain that a little bit later, but right now I'd like to get into my own story and why I hate child's pose. I know that hate is a strong word, which is why I've chosen to use it in this particular circumstance. As I've mentioned in previous episodes, I have major knee issues. I've had them for most of my adult life now, and needless to say, child's pose is very, very painful for me. It is not a resting pose in my body, and so I choose not to perform it. If you, on the other hand, find it restful and you enjoy it, by all means, continue doing it. It's just really not for me. And through my travels and teaching yoga, I've realized it's not for a lot of people. Okay, guys, now we're going to get into child's pose. Extend your arms, sink your hips back towards your heels. Just like this. I was taking a class in a traditional yoga space. And this was my very first introduction to child's pose. I had no idea what I was doing. The instructor gave fairly detailed instructions, but my body just didn't bend that way. The shape that she was making with her body didn't feel right. I could feel a slight aching in my knees, the tops of my thighs. I felt compression in my stomach, and it felt hard to breathe. Okay, now we're going to rest here for five breaths. I sat up and looked at her, and I thought, five breaths? There's no way. I I don't even think I can make it two. I sat comfortably and waited for the rest of the class. When the instructor finally came out of the pose, she looked at me, a little cockeyed, and then kept going. After the class finished, the instructor approached me and asked, was there something wrong with child's pose? I explained how the pose felt in my body. I felt that my breath was constricted, my knees ached. It just felt really uncomfortable. 
I explained my issues with my knees. And she kind of just laughed it off. <laughs> I mean, my mother has major arthritis in both of her knees, and she's able to do child's pose no problem. I think you just weren't doing it right. Let me show you again. I politely declined and went on my way, vowing never to go back to that yoga class. Fast forward a few months and I was at a different yoga class. This was my first introduction to down dog as a resting pose. I know it sounds crazy. Down dog. It's an active pose. How can it be a rest? And the teacher in me today knows that, frankly, it's not. But at the time, it was a game changer. Because child's pose felt so uncomfortable in my body, I would opt to take down dog whenever a rest was called. It didn't matter how long I had to hold it, I would almost always choose down dog. And the reality in my body at that time, with the amount of powerlifting I was doing, it actually felt quite comfortable. It felt like a lot of strain on my shoulders, and today I wouldn't dream of taking that as my resting pose. But at the time, it served its purpose. So what do we use to rest when child's pose feels uncomfortable and down dog is not a realistic option? The reality is there is a plethora of different poses, shapes, props, and variations that we can try and use in our practice to rest. I'm going to briefly touch on props here, but know that there are many more options that we can use. A good way to alleviate tension in the neck and shoulders is to place a rolled blanket between your bum and your heels. We can also bend our elbows, stack our forearms, and rest our forehead down on our hands or our fists or even a block. This is a variation that my friend uses all the time because traditional child's pose feels very uncomfortable in their neck and their shoulders. Another great option is a bolster. You can place the bolster lengthwise between your legs and gently drape your torso over it with your knees wide. You can let your forearms rest on the floor or hug the bolster, and you can add a blanket on top of the bolster for greater support. One of my students absolutely loves this variation and uses it every time child's pose is an option. But what happens if you're like me and you have major issues with your knees and limited flexion? In enters reverse or supine child's pose, a.k.a. Supta Balasana. This is a much better option for me in particular because I'm able to bend my knees on my back without any pressure. Laying on your back, gently embrace your legs towards your chest. You can hold in front of your shins, behind your thighs. You can use a strap as an extension of your arms. Whatever feels good. You can even take this pose with your feet on the wall. You can draw your knees in closer and closer to your chest with every exhale, or you can leave them slightly extended. Whatever feels best in your body. On your back, you can experience the same opening through your hips and the same amount of rest or even better rest with less pressure on your knees and ankles. You can also get a bonus low back massage with some gentle movement from side to side. This variation gives us much more freedom to play with. 
Other options include a kneeling version, a seated in a chair version, as well as completely different poses like puppy pose with the hips lifted, seated easy pose, constructive rest on your back with your knees bent, feet flat on the floor, and even Shavasana. What I'm saying is there are lots of ways to rest without taking child's pose. Speaking of rest, I read something recently that said asanas are not meant to be restful anyway, and that to perform asana correctly is to be moving and to only rest in certain poses like balasana. This didn't sit right with me. A lot of what I teach includes rest. As a yoga therapist in training, I strongly believe that rest and digest are a huge part of healing both the body and the mind, as well as keeping the body and mind comfortable and healthy. In yoga therapy, we learn that push and pull or rest and effort, rest and effort are very important, but you need a combination of both in order to activate your parasympathetic nervous system where the real rest and digest happens in the body. I did a bit more research and I found that one definition for asana is a posture adopted in performing hatha yoga. That doesn't necessarily sound like moving. It sounds like staying still in one posture. So I researched further. The literal translation from Sanskrit is a sitting posture, seat, or sitting down. Traditionally, asana was used for meditation, which makes sense as yoga postures and breathing techniques, or pranayama, were, and in some cases still are, only used to prepare the body for seated meditation. Movement is a necessary part of most yoga practices. However, movement all the time and no rest can lead to fatigue, mental health disruptions, injury, and strain. Yoga can be helpful in alleviating pain and healing injuries, but it can also lead to pain and injury in certain circumstances. There are some studies that do show a risk of injury when practicing yoga, particularly when excessive effort and little rest is factored in. One such study looked at imaging appearances of musculoskeletal injuries related to yoga. The team conducting the study performed a wide search of the database of a large specialized care center and conducted a retroactive analysis of the imaging findings in 38 patients over a nine-year period. Thomas Lee Koroller et al. found that most common musculoskeletal yoga injuries were damage to the tendons, including tears of the supraspinatus, part of the rotator cuff of the shoulder, the Achilles tendon, pronus brevis, tendons located directly behind the fibula or shin bone, and fibrocartilaginous tears involving the medial meniscus, which spans the knee joint medially, the glenoid labrum of the hip joint, and lumbar disc extrusion in the lumbar spine. It's important to note that I looked at a number of studies and meta-analysis that show a proportion of yoga practitioners experienced injury or other adverse events although the nature of the injuries were mild and with risks comparable to those who do not practice yoga. In yoga classes, it is important to include rest. The quality of rest matters. 
If you give yourself rest that feels good in your body, instead of forcing yourself into shapes that feel neither restful nor safe, you will find that your overall practice will improve and your risk of injury will decrease significantly. If none of the options that I mentioned today work for you, then by all means, in your next yoga class, ask your instructor, is there another pose that we can do for rest besides child's pose? If they say no, I would walk out of the class. I believe most Western yoga classes have moved beyond this rigid line of thinking and are more open to different shapes and different bodies. If you find that there's nothing there, then by all means, just sit comfortably or lay down comfortably and focus on your breathing. Again, if child's pose is restful for you and your body, then please keep doing it. In other words, do whatever makes you feel best, take what serves you, and leave the rest. And now it's time for a yoga snack to get you through to your next coffee break. Today's exercise is a full body relaxation technique. I'll invite you to find a comfortable reclined position. This exercise can be taken seated or lying down, whatever feels most comfortable for you. If it feels comfortable, I'll invite you to close your eyes or gaze up at the ceiling if you're laying down or you can keep your eyes down if you're staying seated. We'll begin by focusing on our breath. Notice your inhale. Notice your exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Let's begin to draw our breath into our head. Imagine your breath as a warm light, filling every corner of your head. As you inhale, feel your breath filling every part of your head. On your next inhale, imagine your breath scooping up anything that does not serve you, any thoughts that do not serve a purpose in this moment and are not needed. As you exhale, feel your head emptying as your thoughts are released. And all that is left is a warm, comfortable light. On your next inhale, begin to breathe into your chest. Feel your chest rise and fall with every breath. 
As you inhale again, imagine you're breathing into your chest a warm light. With every inhale, feel that warmth expand until your entire chest is filled with a warm, gentle light. On your next inhale, imagine that light expanding and taking any feelings that you have that are not serving you in this moment, scooping them up. And on your next exhale, releasing those feelings away from your chest leaving behind a warm sensation of gentle light. On your next inhale, feel your breath fill your belly. Feel your belly rise as you inhale and fall as you exhale. On your next inhale, notice that bright light once again filling your belly. With every inhale, feeling that warmth expand, belly comfortably full of warmth. And on your next inhale, notice that light expanding, consuming all of the intuitive thoughts and gut feelings that you have and that no longer serve you, being scooped up, taken into the light. And as you exhale, feeling them release. And you're left with a warmth in your belly that is comfortable and gentle. And on your next inhale, feeling your breath moving into your pelvis. Feeling a widening across your hips as you inhale. And exhale. On your next inhale, feeling that warm light fill your entire pelvis. And as you continue to inhale and exhale, feeling that light grow. And as we continue to inhale, feeling that light gathering up any desires that are no longer serving you. Scooping them up. And on your next exhale, releasing them. So you're left with nothing but a warm and gentle light.
finally. Inhale down into your legs all the way to the tips of your toes. Feeling your breath expanding into every part of your lower body. And just as before, we can begin to notice a bright light, warm, gentle, filling our thighs, our knees, our shins, our ankles, all the way into our toes. And as we continue to breathe, notice that light gathering up all of the places that you've been that no longer serve you. And as you exhale, feeling those places leaving your feet and your legs, your left with a nice warm light. Finally, taking a deep breath into your feet, your knees, your thighs, your hips, your pelvis, your belly, your chest, your shoulders, your arms, your hands, your neck, and finally up to your crown. And as you exhale, feeling the breath leaving your head, your face, your shoulders, your hands, your belly, your hips, your thighs, your knees, and finally your feet. Until all you're left with is a beautiful, warm, and gentle light. Take a deep breath in through your nose and exhale. Again, inhale and exhale. If your eyes are closed, go ahead and flutter them open. Make some small movements with your fingers and toes. Gently wake back up. And if you like, you can stretch your arms overhead. You can make your way into a comfortable seat or end on your back. Remember that you can use this meditation anytime that you need to rest. And remember, you deserve to rest. That's all the time we have for today, friends. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, stay weird. I wanna hear.